0: Praise the Lord, ever Well, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Men. Good to be here, Amen with you in men's retreat. We was at the first one 23 years ago, and I'm glad I'm here today. God's been good, hasn't He? Amen. Brother, uh, you know, some men are so good, they don't even need a backup. Brother uh, Raleigh came, and uh, Brother uh, Calhoun is here, and I, by himself, Brother Townley brought one man with him, because they have such a way with words, and they are so eloquent. They are good. Me, I had to bring all my cheering section with me just to balance out today where I'm at. Amen. And I am counting up on tonight and tomorrow. But uh, it is good to be here today. The Lord is good. Amen. Now a lot of men have a lot of finesse about what they do and what they how they preach and they can give you a hundred different angles. Me, all I know is when it comes to killing a snake, you just cut his head off. And uh, when it comes to dealing with something, you can go at it a hundred. best way I ever found out was just hit it and get it. I want to preach today to men, and uh, I'm going to deal with with our our relationship with our wives, and that's where I'm going to be today. Um most men are liars. When it comes to this subject, most men are liars. Their ego forces them to lie. How's it going, brother? Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Amen. Now, they may have just come from one of the awfulest dog fights you've ever seen. And trouble, ain't spoke to their wife in six months, fighting and fuming. But how's it going, brother? Doing good. Couldn't be better. Everything is fine. Amen. Tell them to somebody near you and tell them. Tell the truth now. Just tell the truth. (laughs) Oh, help us, Jesus. I told you all I know is just cut the snake's head off. the best way to do it. I'm going to read out of the book of Nehemiah today, the fourth chapter, starting at verse six. And I want to say to Brother Paget, thank you for men's retreat. It is a highlight in our church, and we glean so much. And I appreciate, Elder, the effort and the time and uh, all that goes into making this. Amen. I don't know how you feel from where you are, but my my men are glad for men's retreat. They're glad. We get so much out of it. Today has been good. Last night was good. Tonight will be good, and uh, tomorrow will be also good. And we'll go home strengthened. Out of the book of Nehemiah, the fourth chapter and the sixth verse, it said, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it now can I tell you that is just like the devil when we, as a church and men decide we're going to do something for God, can I tell you the devil's going to try to stop anything that happens in this men's retreat, and anything you can take home and anything that you can glean, believe me, the devil's going to put his foot everything and and try to stop you from having what's been preached to us here and so they gathered, and all of a sudden these these ever it said they all of them came together and they conspired. Down in verse 13, it said, Therefore, said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and unto the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren for your, he said, fight for your brethren and for your sons and for your daughters, and your wives and your houses. I'm going to preach today if you'll help me a little while on the winning of <coughs> winning the battle for the home. Winning the battle, let's ask the Lord to help us, God. We ask you to touch our minds and our hearts today. I pray for the anointing not only on the on the man on the preaching but on the ears of your people let us hear O god let us understand let us glean today what you would have us here today thank you O god thank you for the preaching of the word today what we've heard what you're going to do in the remainder of this services god we love you today we give you glory we give you praise we give you honor in jesus name in jesus name Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Elder, is it okay if I get someone to read for me? Is there a a mic? Amen. Maybe available. One of these, maybe somebody can read. And you want to read for me, son? He generally reads for me at home. I told you I need help. Let me just start by saying this. The battle that we all face, and we all face battles, different kinds, different situations, different cities, but there is a devil that's out there to stop anybody, especially men of truth, especially men that believe like we believe, the standards and the things that we set in order. There is a battle that we all face. There is an enemy, <clears throat> but the battle that we face on our way to glory, I feel will be won or lost in the home it 's going to be won or lost in the home i i've i 'm sixty five i 'll be sixty six here in a few days and what what is What is apparent across the ranks of Pentecost, even in our oneness ranks, is the devastating destruction that the devil's doing on marriages. In the world, it is 50% of the people that get married, an average 50% of them divorce. But in the church, there should be no divorces. In the church, in the safety and in the security and in the... Confines of God's house with the preachers we have and the men that we that pastor our churches Uh, There should be no even no thought of divorce in our churches And yet we stand sometimes and we hear of this one and that one of men of even and it even can I say this It does not just is not confined to the laity, but it is in the ministry And so we we are faced with this And uh, if if we're going to win this battle, amen, it's not going to be won in the church. This does not take away from anything in the church. This does not take away from prayer. This does not take away from our shouting and our great and tremendous services we have. But let me tell you something. You can have, you can, you can talk all you want about how good your garden is or how much corn you picked or how much beans that you picked or how much you, you gleaned out of your garden. You're not going to have any good garden unless you got good ground to put those seed in. It's just a little tie in here, but we got to understand we want good church and we want God's move and we want this. Can I tell you, it comes from having a good home structure. Amen. The devil is focused on the home. It is the destruction of the home equals to the destruction of the nation. You think about it. Our nation is a great nation, but at one time, the nation that we live in was, was the greatest nation that, live, that there ever was on the earth. I was listening, or or not listening to reading, he doesn't on any kind of media, but he's in the paper. Cal Thomas mentioned here some time back... And he talked about America and its greatness and what it was, was not its weapons or its technology, but he said the basis of America and its greatness was a simple fact. There was a home with a mom and dad and children, and it was the structure of the home that simply made it what it was. It's morals and teachings that bound America together. America's on shaky ground, whether you know it or not, but when you check it out, honey, there is more divorces going on in situations the home is destructed can i tell you the devil uses a technique called divide and conquer he knows if he can separate the american fiber and very heart of america he can defeat america amen and so it is it is all it is our spiritual success or anything that we do is constitutes on the home everything depends on the home how close we are or how close-knit we are how bonded we are how tight we are how much of a team we are and how good your relationship is a good choir cannot cover up a mess in the home Read from his son, Matthew 22, starting at verse 36.
1: Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Uh-huh. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is, like to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything hangs upon relationships. Everything. I don't care who you
0: are, where you come from. Everything hangs upon relationships. He's saying here, here he's laying out a diagram for us. He's saying you need to love. Or in other words, you need to care for, or you need to do things for, or sacrifice, or serve. In other words, he's saying you need to get you a relationship with God. And when Brother Townley was preaching in closing last night, he said one of the strengths of Daniel was a simple fact that he had a relationship with God. Amen. God, can I tell you, God wants us to have a strong relationship with Him. If you didn't hear Brother uh, brother um, Rally today, you need to hear today. Because I'm going to tell you, it's more than just coming to church and sitting down, amen, and warming a pew. It's getting a relationship with God. It's getting a relationship that's more than just mouth, um, amen. It's more than just say, it's do. It's more than just talk, it's walk. And so he's saying here, I want you to have a relationship. I want you to, amen, we love God with all your heart and, and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And then he talks about, he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself or others. And then he, 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 so what he's saying is here is basically we need you to have, now, now having a relationship with God is not hard at all. Because God is love. God ain't going to do you wrong. God's good in the morning. God's good in the night. God's forgiven. Oh, yeah. God's merciful. God understands. God's always on your side. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's God. And so a relationship with God, and we have a relationship with God so he 's saying that 's important that 's the first thing and then then when when he 's talking about a relational self with ourselves and 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 uh let me let me just explain this to you ain 't nobody loves you like you you don 't get up in the morning and say I think I'll pull my hair all down in my face. I think I'll just take this razor and just pull a hide off my nose. You just get in that. That before that mirror and you just. And you comb that hair. And you take care. Because basically we love ourselves. We feed ourselves good food. We drink good water. We look out for ourselves. We we protect ourselves. So it's not difficult to have a relationship with God. And it's not difficult, brother, to have a relationship with ourselves because we love ourselves. Amen. You you just, you, you, you show me a man that's one around slapping himself in the head, I'll show you somebody that's got problems. Amen. I ain't going to slap me in the head. I ain't going to let you slap me in the head either. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, and you know, you got to have an understanding. God's good, and he's good to us, and he's been blessing us, and he's been keeping us, so I can... Just... Oh God, oh God, I'll serve you And oh God, i love you And oh God, I'll, I'll do whatever i got to do And when it comes to me I'm going to tell you, I'm just, you're just like me We're going to walk and we're going to take care of self Amen. We're going to protect self But loving others is a, That's where the question mark comes in And that's where it's a little more difficult And that's where the problems arise And that's where work is required Because God ain't going to hurt you. God ain't going to to offend you. God ain't going to reject you or any such thing. And we ain't going to hurt ourselves and we sure ain't going to offend ourselves. But when we deal with others, can I tell you, sometimes that's where the hurt comes in. And that's where the offense comes in. And that's where the rejection comes in. And that's why we have trouble building a relationship with other people. Okay. Now, the basis of life is people. Pastoring. And if you're a pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Pastoring would be great if it wasn't for people. I know that's profound. But pastoring is, can I tell you, you're going to have people if you go going to pastor. It goes together. You, no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. Now, men have a tendency to just kind of withdraw into their own world. Can I tell you, you're going to have to deal with people somewhere at some level. Okay. Because you ain't going to get through life. The basis of life is people and your relationship with people. And your success at this or your failure at this is how effective you are in your relationship. Okay. I hope some of you are digesting that because I'm just building me a little old platform here on this. Okay. How you relate effectively affects your success. Now, relationship is connection it's bond it's link it's it's linking together, tying together an alliance and accord it's it's closeness it's nearness it's affinity <coughs> get me Philippians two and three now for brothers and i'm I'm, I'm going to pull it in just a little here if you'll let me. Amen. I I'm not gonna. I, I know it says your neighbor, but let's just pull it in to us, okay? You might have a problem with Joe down at your job, and you have to see him on a limited basis. But as brothers, we have to see each other on a regular basis, on a on a on a weekly basis, and some situations on a daily basis. So let's just bring it in to us where we live. Is this okay? Amen. All right. Now, now notice. Philippians 2 and 3 and if you have your Bible you can turn there. For a for brothers are for a fellowship to exist and continue, this is one of the key things that's got to be read.
1: Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Okay. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. For a relationship to develop, it cannot be all about you.
0: Can't be all about you. Uh, it, it, matter of fact, in any relationship, it cannot be all about you. Sometimes in relationships, people are selfish, self-centered, egotistical, and uh, and, and they and the people have got to be number one. I call this pig Someone who has his snout so mired in his own interest that he forgets others. I learned this on a hog farm. On a hog farm, when you put out the slop and you lay, put it in a trough, it doesn't matter who cousins, whose brothers, whose sisters, or whose uncles. Uh, that hog going to get his nose in the snout first ahead of everybody else and get all the, get all the slop that he can get. All I'm telling you is this. If we have this concept that when I deal with you on any kind of basis, as a brother, if I've got to be number 1, if everything is about me, if everything rotates about me, can I tell you it's a one-sided relationship and no relationship at all. But you got to understand I have in a relationship I has to be taken out of it. We are men. That's why sometimes pastors have trouble relating to men and men relating to the pastor. Can I tell you, I, I have a, a different calling on my life than my men. But listen to me. I put my shoes on just like they do of a morning. I put my, my pants on just like they do of a morning. And there is, we face the same troubles. One of the things sometimes we have even in our homes with our brothers, we have this big I and little you. Well, truth anyhow. Amen. Can I tell you, uh, some people feel it that, that uh, unless the smoke's coming out of their chimney it ain't smoke. Can I tell you there's more chimneys than just your chimney? It's an attitude, honey. I mean, in a relationship, one of the things has got to be, if I'm going to have a relationship with my men, Jesus had a relationship. It wasn't because he was walking on the clouds. It was because he was walking on a dusty road, and he got right down where they was. Their problems was his problems. Their concerns was his concerns. And the reason he had such a relationship with the people was he wasn't afraid to go to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. He wasn't afraid to get down to where they are. I'm going to tell you, I don't want a, 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 a pulpit-pew separation in my life. I don't want a brother-brother separation. It is not big eyes and little use. What makes the church strong is the fact that we have a relationship one with another. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There are some things in a relationship. If you're going to have a relationship with anybody, number one, you've got to encourage them. It is so important that when we meet people and when we, when we deal with people, that we strengthen them. And we lift them up. You think about it. Very few friends that you have for very long, amen, if they go to putting you down. You, you get around somebody and, and, and the first thing they're going, boy, I'll tell you what, now, you, are you as squirrely as you look? Are they, they, they criticize you. Are they, they uh, let me put it this way. A lot of people ain't big till they, till they step on somebody else's head. Now, I'm six foot three, but I have to carry a ladder with me. But a lot of people, a lot of people, what they, their, their relationship with somebody is the simple fact that if they make somebody else look bad, that they think that makes them look good. I don't feel that way today. Yeah? Amen. If we're going to have a relationship, if you're going to have a relationship, uh, you got to start lifting somebody else up. The trouble with men, they carry too many fire hydrants around with them. Y'all didn't hear that. The reason we have trouble with men sometimes ego. We got to carry a fire hydrant. Amen. I killed a ten-point buck. Oh, really? You don't. You ain't nothing, man. I killed a twelve-point buck. On and on it goes. Why can't we sometimes just stop and say to a brother that killed a six-point buck? Oh, I'm so glad that you killed that buck. Oh, I'm so glad that you're doing something. You gotta have. You're gonna have a relationship with anybody. You're gonna have to spend some time lifting somebody up and strengthening somebody in the situation. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands for the Lord. Amen. You, you, number two, you, you're going to have to appreciate. Appreciate people. You're going to have to make it, you know, you can, you can think how good things, but sometimes you need to say some good things. I just appreciate. Amen. Amen. We can come in here and and, and, and and we can we can just sit down and, and take all this in. But I'm going to tell you, it, this, this didn't come about by just an accident. Amen. The pageants and their family and their church, they worked hard. It cost them to put this on. Amen. For me to walk in with an egotistical, you owe it. They don't owe us nothing. But I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate somebody that will put forth some time that my men can come to and go home and be strengthened. Uh, hey, let me tell you. Amen. It ain't all about your your little world. It ain't all about what's going on in Lebanon. It ain't all what's going on over in Lake Park. It ain't all going on in Ocala, amen, can I tell you, amen, we need to appreciate men and effort. So, amen, nothing wrong in that. Uh, notice the importance of others. Acknowledge their actions and affirm it. Amen. Number three is to forgive. Amen. When can we get past the point of realizing that people are not perfect? Hey, Amen. People are not perfect. Hey, Amen. And you're not perfect either. I'm not perfect either. I work with an old man, old man Tommy Dixon. Nobody liked Tommy Dixon. Tommy Dixon didn't even like Tommy Dixon. But Tommy Dixon had a philosophy, and I've heard him say it. He was an old man from Miami, a bitter old man from Miami. He owned two or three city blocks in Miami, and I worked for the phone company at the time, and uh, he, was, he was one of the men I work with. And, and when, Tommy, when Tommy came moved to the High Springs area there in, uh, in Florida, uh, he, he bought a farm, bought all of the equipment, to, but there was nobody there to enjoy it. Nobody there. It was, like a, it was like a kid locked up in his own room with toys and nobody there to enjoy them with. But he had a philosophy. It was this. Fool me one. I've heard him say it over before time and time again. And and he'd have made a good Scrooge on the Christmas play. Humbug. But he said, fool me once, shame on you. But fool me twice, shame on me. What he was saying is, if you ever do me wrong, that's it for me. I'm through with you. I don't want nothing to do with you. And so they just back up. One thing that taught me and gave me a good little understanding, because men are men and we're all men, and we have our own little territories and our own. We mark our own territories and all that stuff. But, but my brother, my brother's dead now, and 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 he had a he was some like he was like, uh, oh, he was in his fifties. Uh, uh, his son was thirty years old, and they had a little falling out. They had a little. It wasn't a big thing. It wasn't a major. Fallen out. Uh, it wasn't a big problem as far as like you know, it's major. It was just a lot of little things uh, that could have been solved if they'd have just walked up and said, "Now listen, we have a little difference here, brother." Ho, but I want you to know, you, my brother, and 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 I, I'm I'm gonna make it right. Uh, and whatever I got to do, and whatever I got to say, I, I want you to know I love you, and I'm sorry for my part in this. Uh, Jack wouldn't say his part. Jack said, "I'm I'm right." His son was his son. And he said, I'm right. So it rocked on for about 10 years. The boy got married, was raising a family, had his own world, Christmas time. Hardly no, didn't see the boy. It was was just rocked on till one day the boy climbed in a tree to cut a limb off. The limb was hanging down. He leaned a ladder up and he reached out. To cut the limb off, not realizing when he took the weight off of it, the limb come up. When the limb come up and and and, and swung in the air, the ladder came free. He fell about fifteen feet on his back, his heart burst loose from the moorings or tyings of his body and, and with no it just pumped his whole insides full of blood and he was dead in a matter of seconds. Now, all these things, these minor things, these little things uh, in their relationship as a father and the son, no different than a brother to a brother. Y'all ain't with me now. Amen. You're still thinking that's somebody else and it can't. Let me tell you something. When that boy died, he, for three days in the preparing of that body and and the laying in the casket where they lay you there, he walked every day with him. And every night they'd say, they say Jack, come on, you got to. He said he he laid over the casket and hung himself over the casket and say, Terry, can you hear me? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When they put him in the ground, he was still saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He was a he was a a a repentant man, but can I tell you, he was three days too late. All I can tell you is in a relationship, you might be right, and you might be right, and you might feel you're right. But I'm going to tell you when it comes to brothers, when it comes to sisters, when it comes to family, when it comes to church, amen, the only right thing to do is make it right and get it settled under the blood and get it put down to where, amen, my relationship is packed right with you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You're going to have to forgive. Amen. It doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. If we're going to have it, you got to forgive. Amen. Number four, you've got to listen. Men are so guilty of this. I am. I have to pin myself down. If you're busy, if you're multitasking, if you've got... 99 things going. Amen. People will talk to you. My, I, I, I learned this a long time ago with my grandkids because you see children sometimes and they hang on their mamas and, and you're hearing them. They're going, mama, 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 mama. And I say, will you answer your child? Oh, I, I didn't hear them. Let me tell you something. Man, it does something to the feeling You let somebody walk by you and you reach out your hand to shake their hand and you just walk on by. Let me tell you something. You you've just now caused a problem. <laughs> when you think I want you sit down and say, Hey, 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 I wanna talk with, with you and, and you say let me tell you and they just, they just said I'm just walk on off had this little deal with my, with my grandson and coming up uh, and he'd say, "Hey papa." And immediately I'd say, "Hey papa." Because I wanted him to know that when he talked to me, he was important. When we don't listen to brothers and we don't take oh, I know I know sometimes we we, we, we have our, our, our fire hydrants and we say, Hey man, we're higher on our fire hydrant than you are and you're no, no, let me tell you something. God's people are God's people and we need to take time with them and we need to listen to them and what they have to say is just as important as what I have to say. Amen. Hallelujah. Hear hear what they have to say. Amen. A lot of times we hear and they say, what did they say? I said, I don't know what they said. Because it goes in, we need to hear what they have to say. Amen. Be interested. Number five is understanding. Understanding. Nobody understands being broke until you're broke. Nobody understands. I've heard people say. Ah, uh, you know, you're going through this problem, and your sickness, and you're this, and you're that. Now, this is what I'd do. Don't even talk to me until you went through it. Don't even tell me what you would do. Well, I wouldn't take this medicine. I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't take this medicine, and I wouldn't do this. Well, don't tell me about it until you're hurting so bad that you're ho- hollering, where's the Anderson at, or where's the aspirin, or give me the, give me the Midol or something. Are you with me? Amen. One of the things in a relationship, brethren, that we're going to have to have, and I'm talking about even in the church, is understanding. Amen. There's some things we just need to understand. Amen. They have frustration. People have frustrations. They have feelings. They have disappointments. Amen. People have needs and they have dreams. And if less we understand them. Amen. We'll never have a relationship with them. Now... Brother Townley didn't leave. He he left two people. He left Obadiah and Lazarus. And brother Rally got Lazarus today. Got him out of the grave. And I looked through through. I looked through uh, uh, Obadiah. Matter of fact, I heard somebody say that brother Townley had some notes in his basket. I went home and tore my basket all up. I looked for hieroglyphics in the weaving of that basket, thinking there is a, there is a message in here for me and these men. But they wasn't the, all I found were peanuts. And there was one thing that did help me. It had, a, it had a little old, looked like a baseball thing, and it said, are you stressed? If you ain't now, you will be Sunday. <laughs> I went to squeezing that ball. <laughs> Amen. So I didn't preach. I couldn't find nothing about Obadiah that would help me. But I decided to preach what I was going to preach because you ain't going home tonight or tomorrow night and sleep with Obadiah. you going home Saturday night or whatever and you're going to have to face Mama. And you're going to have to deal with the situation. I mean, a lot of men would like to have, like that old song said, why can't we have Christmas all the time? Why can't we have men's retreat all the time? Amen, I because we have to go home. And so I want to help us. Now remember, the first relationship is with God. The second relationship is with your wife. Notice what the book says, Ephesians five twenty-five: "Husbands, love your wives." Husbands, love your wives. Now, now let me just back up, and what love means is to care for, to do things for, sacrifice for, and serve your wife. Husbands,
1: love your wives. Read even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, Uh so ought men to love their wives... Verse 28 it is, I believe. So ought men to love their wives... As their own bodies. As
0: their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, can you get the Scripture saying here, you know, what, what happened was in the creating of man in the garden, and and God took the rib and made the woman for his helpmeet. Amen. I it was it was intended; it was the intent of God for them to work as a team. It was to to fulfill what God had planned. The Garden of Eden, Eden was a perfect place, and so it was the intent of God that that they would get in that garden as husband and wife, and they would be a team. Not in competition with one another, but com- completing one another. Uh-huh. He is a half, she is a half, and the half together. These become one flesh, or these become a whole, or these become complete. It's the intent of God. Yeah. said, he that loveth his wife loveth himself, yeah. basically. Because For... you've got to understand what God's wanting to say here. He's saying it's, 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 it's not her doing her thing, going her way, and you doing your thing and going your way. But he's saying, basically, it is you. And when you, when you, when you cared about her, you're caring about yourself. All right. And when you're, when you're protecting her, you're protecting yourself. I'll be honest with you. I spent 16 years of my marriage before we ever come to the point that we were a team. But then it was competition. And, man, most of you know my wife. She's a meek, little old mild thing, squeaky, don't even open her mouth, don't even say anything. She's very, very intimidated. She just, whatever. And, I mean, I mean if you say, boo, she goes, oh, don't say that. You scare me. Most of you that know my wife know she is very, 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 very intimidating. The men would rather I get onto them than her. They they said, you know, get the pastor, let him let him chat. Don't let mom do it, <laughs> because. But that 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 whole period of time was basically back in two. It was it was like it was like a chaotic, confused mess until we got to realizing one day down there in our marriage, we ain't doing nothing but hurting each other. We ain't doing nothing but destroying our own life. Uh, and what the smart thing we need to do is we need to team up in this. Uh, amen. And get together. Let me just tell some of you. Uh, it, ain't, it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't good when you're just in this competition constantly. You need to team up with your wife. Uh, amen. Because when you're helping her, you're helping yourself. When you protect, when you're doing things for her, you're doing things for you. Yo, I hope somebody gets that. Amen. Now, you got to understand this. Uh, amen.
1: Now, now read on. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. No man hated his own flesh. But nourisheth Uh and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So he's given us a pattern. Notice Colossians 3 and 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them.
0: Okay, let me let me just expand it just a little bit here and then we'll come back to center. Okay. How many services? How many moves of God? How many times would have God moved in a church service? Would have would have just come down and somebody could have got healed. Somebody could have got delivered. Somebody could have Folks, we know how it affects a church uh, when you get three or four people in there with their arms crossed, like, Preacher, you ain't moving me preacher, you can't. We know that if we let them, they will shut down a service and God, we can't even have a good song service because of their spirit shutting down. How many times has preachers got up and said, I don't know what happened tonight. I did everything I could do. The song man, the leader, the musicians did everything they could do. But nothing wouldn't work. Not knowing that out there in the congregation, Brother Bill and Sister Sue had got into an argument over nothing and come to church with animosity and 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 all of these things and shut down a service what i'm preaching ain't just lovey-duddy go home and get right with your wife i'm preaching some things that'll help your church get better it'll help god move better amen i don't want to be one that shut a service down Amen. I don't want to be somebody that's the, that's guilty of saying, "Hey, you could have got a touch, but because I wouldn't work it out, because I wouldn't deal with it, because I wouldn't take care of business before church." Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Now, is that three nineteen? So God wants us to have a loving relationship with your wife more than the bedroom. Oh, I know, I know that's, that's what men, their concept of a good marriage is. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, it goes in the kitchen too. It's in the living room too. Amen. It's, it's, it's riding down the road too. Amen. Uh, these young men in here, they got, I got me a future girlfriend. I'm going to be married someday. It's all going to be this and that. L- let me tell you. Amen. You need to understand it's more than just one little area of our life. Amen. It's got to expand out of that. Now, now the home and the church is synonymous. It's like 99 and 100. It's like white on rice. Amen, I it's it's tied. Can I tell you, as the home goes, so goes the church. If it's hell at home, it'll be hell at church. If it's heaven at home, it'll be heaven at the church. If it's peace at home, it'll be peace at the church. Strong homes make strong churches. Weak homes make... Make weak churches. Now, if you're having fights, heated arguments, constant conflicts, and constant differences. Got quiet on that one. If you're having fights in your home on a regular basis fights heated arguments I mean the kind where you where your face gets red and your your what's this called your forehead gets all wrinkled if you took your blood pressure you'd have to get two of them to monitor it If you're having heated arguments and there is constant conflict, it doesn't matter, just conflict on every issue and everything, and constant differences all the time, here's your sign. constant tension in the home, upheaval, unrest. Here's your sign. Giving the wife the silent treatment, you know, where you don't speak. You just grunt. How'd your day go, honey? Uh. Where you going, baby? Uh. What's happening in your world? Uh. here's your sign if you're angry all the time I mean don't take much to make you angry you just get angry at anything matter of fact you just get up in the morning and you're angry come in from work and you're angry here's your sign moody Nobody, the dog don't know whether to wag his tail at you or bite you. You come in and you you got a mood. You're just moody. Is this thing working? I know, I know, I'm, I'm dealing with people that lie. Oh, Reverend, I ain't never met my wife. My wife and I went here last week and did a marriage seminar in, in L. A. And so, in preparing, we tried to bring in everything, tell it like it is. And so we listened to a tape, and and this here was another preacher giving a. He was going to give them. They did a marriage seminar, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm not too old to learn. Maybe I can learn something from from them." And the first thing out of his mouth, he said, he said. Let me tell you, me and my wife have been married 45 years, and we have never had, I've ne- she has never gave me a frustrated moment. I said, turn him off. <laughs> I ain't, he ain't got nothing to say to me. He ain't telling like it is, Brother, brother Hope. That man, that man, is either, he's either smoking dope or something's wrong. He's got Alzheimer or something. Brother Hudson, I'm gonna tell you that ain't the way it is. I'm a, I'm gonna deal with reality here today, folks. Amen. I am I'm, I'm, I'm we're dealing with home. You can come in and, and on a Sunday night and clap your little old hands and get your Pentecostal smile on, preach you everything's fine. But I'm gonna tell you sometimes our spirits, Amen, Beliath, They 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 tell it like it really is because inside she's sitting over there thinking, if I could just punch him one good time. In the Holy Ghost. And you're thinking, "Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm, I'm... Tension. Everything makes you mad. You get ticked off easily. Moody. Amen. Your intimate life lacks. You know what I'm talking about there without me even going there. Sleeping on the couch. Here's your sign. You got problems. You know, this is reality. You think about this. You think about this. There is a man and a woman, and they're out in a boat. And one's rowing this way, and the other's rowing this way. You tell me what happens. That boat, will they're dead in the water, and all that is is turning circles. That boat don't go where it needs to go. God can't lead that boat. The preacher can't lead that boat. It can't get from one shore to the next shore because all of a sudden you're rowing one way and she's rowing another. If you're going to have a move of God, somebody's got to make up their mind, let's row this thing together. Let's do it together. Let's get to where we're going. Now, amen. I might have to agree. You might have to agree. Huh? But let's come together and say, let's do something for God. Amen. Let's quit fighting each other. I'm telling you, what we want in God is going to be found in the home. Amen. You, you, you can be seated. Now, let's be honest today. Your wife has problems. Here we go, that lion spirit. No, my wife is sweet. She ain't never said nothing to me in the whole world. Your wife has problems. Some of y'all scared to say that because you're afraid to get on here and your wife will hear the tape. And she hear old Jody say, uh-huh, my wife had problems. And she asks ask the question, well, you mean I got problems? Some of y'all are afraid what they're going to say, <laughs> what people say. Maybe. Well, I won't go there. But your wife does have problems. Some more, some less. But so do you. So do you. You know, a lot of times it, we always want to say it's, it's her. See, that's where in a perfect situation, Adam and Eve, in there. And God had it all set up. Can I tell you, it was perfect. But because of their problems, or should I say, they got out of order. And, and couldn't get under order, under God's plan. Then all of a sudden, they want to point fingers. Well, God, it's, it's her. <laughs> she made me do it. And then she said, well, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't have no place to go. (laughs) But but can I tell you, she's got problems, but it all isn't her. There is too many dysfunctional homes. There are too many dysfunctional homes that are caused by dysfunctional marriages, that are caused by dysfunctional people. And you got to understand, they are of little and no use to the kingdom of God. A dysfunctional home. amen. Because what happens in a dysfunctional home, it tears you down so much that you get to church. And just when you get to church, the preacher's got to fill you up. And God's got to lift you up. And God's got to encourage you. Only to go back to your dysfunctional situation to be depleted and drained. It's Wednesday night, get out the air pump. God, do something in my life. And so it's just kind of like a vicious cycle. A dysfunctional home is not any good to the kingdom of God. Dysfunction means disordered or out of order. What we think, my wife was raised in a dysfunctional home because of a sorry dad and his abandoning of the family. He, he left them. She was 10 years old. The youngest one was six years old. And with no support. And, and he did buy them jelly one time. He bought them. He sent, found out the church took him money. And, and so he decided he was going to really be a big man. And he sent them three cases of, uh, four cases of jelly. Grape jelly. And so they had a great breakfast and supper eating jelly. But that was a dysfunctional home. But you got to understand, you don't have to be divorced to have a dysfunctional home. You don't need to be separated to have a dysfunctional home. Your home, You can, can I tell you, you can go to church and be in church and even be on the platform and have disorder in your life. Y'all ain't hearing me now. But I'm telling you, you can be in the church, amen, and the preacher paying your tithes and doing what you... And basically, you have a dysfunctional or a home that is out of order. Now, (coughs) we need to let God put some order into our steps. Number one, we need to understand something. Women are different from men. The old saying, uh, "Girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. Little boys are made of snakes and snails and puppy dog tails." That's an old thing we heard years ago. They are different in every way. They are totally different. Your wife is totally different than you. Uh, I, my son came down and and, uh, and 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 the first thing he said to me when when I greeted him. He said, we made it in six, whatever, six hours, six and a half, whatever it was, six and a half hours. Six hours. See, in six. We made it in six hours. If, if my wife would have come down and met me here and I'd ask her about the trip, she'd have said, let me tell you about the mall in Birmingham and the mall in Montgomery and the bookstore that we found. And how much we enjoyed getting here. Did you know, brother, I race myself? <laughs> I get in that car. And she said, what is wrong? with Nothing's wrong with me. What is the hurry? Nothing. <laughs> but there's something that said, I made it in three hours. Did you know I can make it from Lebanon to 273 exit in Georgia? right north of Atlanta, in three hours. And I feel elated when I make it in two hours and 58 minutes. I come down here in six hours. I asked Brother David, when he came in, he said, well, we made it in six and a half hours. That's the first thing on a man's mind. That is not on a woman's mind. She's wanting to know how much leisure. And that's where sometimes we don't understand women. We just get in here, we don't understand our wives. We don't take time. We just think they're different, they're weird, and... That's why we get upset. Honey, look at the look at the big buck on my wall, as though it's supposed to somehow cause her adrenaline to go to running. Her adrenaline ain't gonna run on no buck. Look at the fish I caught, baby. Look at the fish I caught. It don't hey, and sometimes we have problems and we get offended. Well, I thought I thought she'd be happy over my fish or my buck I kill. And she's not. And so what happens is we gotta understand, women are different. They their feelings are different. Their actions are different. Their thinking is different. Their brain is wired different. Their needs are different. And their emotions are different. And they are difficult to deal with. See, there you go. You're all afraid now. There's that fear, Brother Rally. They are difficult to deal with. But can I tell you, hey, amen, I thought of this, you know, they, they, their feelings are different. They, they cry when we don't. They, they're thinking. You know, You know. I did this one time and, and we was, my wife, when we was first married. and yeah, no. this was, you know, when, when, when your wife breaks down and you, you say, well, I'm, I'm coming to get you. And you get the chain, and the first thing we think, well, what'd you do wrong? And so I'm driving up, and I said, well, you know, we was in outside of Jacksonville, and on I-10, and I, I, I got her. I had an old truck, and I hooked that old log chain, about a thirty-foot log chain, to that old truck, hooked it to the bumper of that car. Well, when you when your engine ain't running, you don't have no power steering, and you don't have no power brakes, and so your, your engine don't. I mean, it's that. So I said to her, all you got to do is stay behind me and keep it in the middle of the road, and we'll get home. So we went out, of, we come to, but we come to Baldwin. Baldwin's got an overpass. Everything was fine going to Baldwin, up the overpass. But when we went over the overpass, there's where the problem come in. Because back there, I'm riding along, and all of a sudden I look up, and here comes a white car around me. That car coming around me, and, and I look over, and it was it was my wife, and I'm going, stupid, get back, get back, you crazy, what's wrong with you? So I shook my fist at her, get back. And so she shook her fist at me. But I, I, wanted her, I wanted her to understand. A man would have, a man would have put, his, put his foot on the brake. Women don't think like that. All she could think was, hey, I'm passing him now. And she had the kids in the car waving. And she'd run over that log chain. She'd run over everything. But I'm going to tell you. Oh, it could go on and on and on and on and on. Because women are different, brethren. But you got to understand God made them that way. I got a message for you. Deal with it. There is an alternative. Somebody that wants to fish when you want to fish, hunt when you want to hunt. Hey, man. Everything. But I made up my mind I'd rather deal with Eve than Steve. <laughs> hey! Y'all listen to me. You're saying, make her like me, make her like me. I want her to do what I do. I mean, God didn't make her like us. God made her different than us. You want to know what makes plywood so strong? It's not the fact that everything's going in the same direction. It's the fact that one layer goes this direction and another layer goes this direction and another layer goes this direction. And when you put those, that's why when you build a house, you put your studs up on the wall, then you go to the corner and you lay your plywood. That's why you don't put your plywood end to end. When you put the next layer, you don't put the joints, you offset the joints. Half and half. Why are you doing that? Why ain't everybody- the same. Because if everything was the same, it would weaken the situation. And your wife is different. But God made your wife to help you and to be a strength to you and to be a protection to you. And she may be different, but that's what makes it strong. That's what makes it durable. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seen Now, so just deal with it. Now,
1: Ephesians 5 and 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, uh-huh. even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Okay, he is the
0: head. That's why when you fill out a form, they want to know who is the head of the house. I looked that word up in the Hebrew and it said the, the first I believe it was the first seized. In other words, the head or the husband is to be the first one you get a hold of. It is the first one. When they come to your house for whatever reason, and they ask the question if it's the people of authority or whatever, they, they say, Who is the head of this house? They don't ask, Where's Johnny? Where's Susie at? They want to know, where's Dad at? They want to know, that's the first one, or the first one in the line. Or maybe the first one on the front line. This is why. Let me tell you something. You're, you're, this goes deeper than just this deep. Amen. Your wife will not follow you unless she respects you. I'm sorry, your wife will not respond to you unless she respects you. When you ain't the first one to be seized, or you ain't on the front line, and you're back here in the back, and she's... Now, I'm going to tell you, you, you all may get mad at me, but let me, let me tell you something, and some of you all, and, and, and you're smart enough you can figure out computers, and you're smart enough you can figure out all this other stuff, and you got everything figured out on your job, but when it comes to your finances... You act stupid. Duh. Like, I can do all this stuff, but, but I can't figure my money. My, my wife handles my money. Let me tell you, he who handles the money controls. You're getting deep in here now. i got to have some wisdom from these or whatever. God, I knew I'd hit a bump on that one because it's easier to be back and not be the first one seized. It's easier to sit back and let her. You, you want to know why? I, 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 and they, and they know it. Most of our church in the beginning was Navy people, and they would come home off of a year of cruises. Mama had run the job, she had paid bills, she had disciplined the kids, she had done everything, she had just. Blaise, she, just, she handled everything while well, dad was gone. Dad come home for, for for a week or two weeks or a month. And hey, ain't going to disrupt nothing, baby. You've been paying bills, doing a good job. You do it. Kids, you just discipline the kids. You just go ahead. You just go ahead, honey. You handle everything, honey. You just handle everything, honey. So it ended. And then when they got out of the Navy and come home, come home, one, one of the brothers come home. And I went out there in the car. And Mama was in the driver's wheel. And he was over there sitting like this. To get your behind out of that right side and get your behind over on that wheel. She rides down the road, here children, here's your dollar and here's your dollar, and she looks at him and says, Here's your dollar. And that sends a wrong message. A proven fact, brother. In a dysfunctional home, when you're not the first one to be seized, or you're not the first one on the front line, it sends a message to your boy. This is why we have so much homosexuality. Amen. We have boys acting like girls, uh, and we have girls acting like boys. Because in the homes a lot of time, mama is acting and doing daddy's job, and daddy is doing mama's job. God didn't put... Eve first, God put Adam first. He said, you are the head of your home. You need to be the first one seized. You need to be the first one. When she's got to keep encouraging you, come on, let's go pray. Come on, let's do this. Come on, let's go to church. Come on, let's, come on, come on, come on, come on. I mean, she can't respect you. It's only when you say, hey, I'm going to take the rightful place that God put me. I'm going to be the head of my home. I'm going I'm I'm to be the leader in prayer I'm going to be the leader I'm going to follow my pastor amen I am going to Hey, if you follow the man of God, she will follow you We are destined to be God said you are the head or you are the You may you're the one responsible I got to hurry I'm like Paul Harvey page two. Okay, okay. I'm going to skip through this. Okay.
1: First Peter 3, 7, read. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not
0: hindered. Now listen to me. Dwell to them with your wife according to knowledge. It takes 12 years to get a high school diploma. It takes four more years to learn some kind of get whatever you can be, be whatever you want to be, and, and even more so if you want to be like somebody like a doctor. But it takes 15 minutes and $75 to be a husband. And you go figure. Yeah. <laughs> 12 years, high school diploma, college grad, you got four more years. To be a husband, to lead a home, to lead a family, 15 minutes and $75. And we wonder what's going wrong, what's the problem. We wonder what's happening in our marriage, what's happening in our world. That'd be like a doctor, amen, that goes out and buys him a doctor's license, 15 minutes and says, we're all cut. Ain't want to let him cut on me. Amen. Can I tell you, you got to live by knowledge. Uh, Amen. Sometimes we just just learn by experience, but you need to learn by, you need to get down and and learn. Just like you learn a trade, you need to get you some books that tell you how to be a better husband. You need to put your nose in that Bible and ask God, what can I do? Uh, Amen. According to knowledge. Amen. Don't tell me you can't learn it. You know how to operate all them, them little keys on them computers. You know how to you know how to do this. You know how to kill a deer. You can outsmart a deer. You know how to cook a fish. Why can't we get a book down that tells us how can I be a better husband? How can I know what God wants me to do with my wife to my children? Dwell according to knowledge. You may be seated. Giving honor to the weaker. And that doesn't say inferior. You make your biggest mistake when you think you're smarter than your wife. Hello? As though she's some inferior. Amen. I talks about giving her, giving her honor. Amen. You've got to have an attitude your wife is valuable, it is you that decides. You're the one that, when you give honor, that means you place value. You're the one that places value on her, the worth on her, the importance in your your life. You need to view her as a priceless gift. Giving her a place of high respect in your life. When you dishonor somebody or when you dishonor your wife, it is an attitude or feeling or thought that she is of little value or worth. And this is shown by the tone in your voice. Come on. Duh.